0: You're listening to a Thorn Creek Weekend Message Podcast. For more audio content and other resources, visit thorncreek.church messages. Well, hello church, good to see everyone today, good to see everyone, I'm glad we're here. If you're joining us by video, we want to welcome you. We are actually in Oahu, Hawaii right now at our Thorn Creek Campus Church. Can everybody just shout out aloha so everybody knows? (laughs) After church, we're going to the beach, so uh, we wanted to thank you. No, not really. It was just a really hot day, and I actually wore this shirt when I preached in Hawaii at a, at a church in, in there in Oahu, and I thought, well, I need to wear it when I preach. You'll be here, too, so that's why I'm wearing it. It was just hot, So, uh, but uh, glad you were here. Didn't you? I mean, just close your eyes for a little bit. Do you hear the oceans? and? You see the velociraptor running around in Jurassic Park. Jesus, thank you for your grace and your love. We uh, humble ourselves before you. We need you, Lord. Uh, We just need you desperately. We need you, God. Oh, God, you are so good. We know you're a good God and a good father. and, And we're living in a time right now that um this world just doesn't make a lot of sense and there's a layer of fear over our country and over our world lord like i've never seen and i just pray god that you work through it all god would you watch over this house thorn creek would you protect us lord from any coronavirus in the name of jesus Would you watch over this city? Protect us, God, in the name of Jesus. Would you watch over those who might be in hospitals right now on ventilator machines? Would you be with them, God? Would you deliver them, God, by your grace? Watch over families. Lord, I pray that uh, that this uh, spike that's happening in the south, it just just, uh, goes the opposite direction. Would you squash it, Lord, in the name of Jesus? Would you bring healing to our land? May we turn to you, God, like we've never before. May we turn to you. We cry out to you, God. You are our our healer. You're our hope, our deliverer, our God, our provider. We need you, Lord. Forgive us for our sins. Forgive us for our sins, Lord. Forgive us for the times when we've been full of pride and we've maybe forgotten you or whatever it is, God. May we turn to you, Lord. Thank you, God, for your grace and your mercy. Take a hold of this message. Use me. May your spirit anoint this message, God. Fill me according to Isaiah 61. Use me like you did Simon Peter in the early church. Would you just give God whatever it is that's weighing on your heart right now? Holy, holy, holy are you, Lord God Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. We love you, Jesus. You are who was and is and is to come. And Jesus, in your name we pray all this. Amen. (sighs) You ever like when you're praying? have you ever been with someone who like likes to pray and you're thinking, well, I normally don't pray this long and the food is getting cold? You know what I mean? Those kinds of moments. I'm one of those guys that will keep praying. So don't invite me to have dinner with you or lunch with you or anything like that. I just start thinking about how good God is. I just, I just start thinking about how good God is. And I, I'm overwhelmed with that. Um, today we're talking about how to pray and we're in this series called Out of Exile. And I thought, you know, it might be good for you to know what people pray about. So I did a little research. And according to one study done by Lifeway, um, I'm going to give you some percentages of what people pray about. Um, <clears throat> 41% of people pray for people who mistreated them. That's what they pray for, people who mistreated them. And uh, I've done that before, I've been part of that 41%. 37% pray for your enemies. Anybody ever pray for your enemies? 37%? God bless you, if anyone wants to be honest, you wanna raise your hand now, this is your second opportunity, anyone? 21% winning the lottery, come on now. Who's 21% winning the lottery? You know, as a pastor, I've heard that so many times. Pastor, if I won the lottery and I'm just thinking, you have everything you need to give right now, you don't have to wait for the lottery. Um, That's another message. Uh, 20%, 20%, success in something that you put almost no effort in. 20%. Been there before. It's kind of like, God, I know I didn't study for this test, but give me an A. You know, it's that kind of thing. Um, 15% said that no one finds out the bad thing you have done. 15%. You know, God, let's just keep this between you and I. You know, that kind of prayer. Um, 13% your favorite team to win. The the Broncos need more prayer warriors, if that's the case. They need more prayer. So do the Rockies and the Nuggets and everything. Um, 7% find a good parking spot. Who's prayed that prayer before? I have totally prayed that prayer. When we park, like, wherever we go to a restaurant, you know, and we park right in the center, like, right at the front door. I always tell Grace, we are in the center of God's will right now. Right now. And then uh, this one here. Let's see how many honest people are here. Uh, 7%. Not get caught speeding. Anybody say that prayer while you're driving? You know, Lord, I pray just this one time, God, just this one time. Um, in Genesis chapter 4, you read about the first time prayer was offered to God. And it's, uh, it's uh, Adam and Eve had a son named Seth, and Seth had a son. And, and here it is, chapter 4, verse 26, is this. Seth also had a son, and he named him Enosh. At that time people begin to call on the name of the Lord. It's the first time you see in Scripture where you see people begin to call on the name of the Lord. And actually from that place right there in chapter four and you go through the whole Old Testament and all the way into the New Testament, people are defined by those who call on the name of the Lord. From then on, there's this, There's this unique fraternity of people who call on the name of the Lord. Now, men, women, young, old have been crying out to God for thousands of years. Have you ever prayed about something and then, like, God actually answers your prayers undeniably? And like you see it happen, and you have like this front row seat to what just happened, and you're like, you're know, like, wow, dude, this is amazing! I prayed for this, and this happened. Anybody ever experienced anything like that? And you explain it to someone, and they're, they're, they're not on board with you. You know, they're not as excited. They don't understand. I remember my, my, my coach when I was in uh, middle school. And uh, I, I, I had a um, difficult time during middle school for a variety of reasons. But Paul Joseph was my basketball coach. And uh, I, had, I had come to know Jesus he was my coach for like 6th, 7th, 8th grade, right around there. And, um, and then I, I, I graduated high school and I, I came to know Jesus right around 18 years old. So like four or five years had gone by since I've seen Paul Joseph. Lost touch with him, but he was the guy that just cared about me. And I, you, know, you can tell when someone cares about you. So I prayed. Here I am walking with Jesus, brand new relationship. And I I don't have no idea where he's at. I I, I have no idea how to get a hold of him. I mean, we've just gone, he's off the grid. And I'm in our lives. But I, I just wanted him to know about what Jesus did in my life. So I prayed and I said, God, would you make it possible for me to run across Coach Paul Joseph so that I could tell him what you did inside of me? That was my prayer. And I kind of said it, and I think sometimes we say a prayer, and and we might think, I'm not sure that's going to get answered, but I just said it anyway. Well, literally within the week, within the week, I'm in downtown San Antonio at a pizza hut, and I walk into that pizza hut, and Coach Paul Joseph is sitting down at pizza hut, Did I miss you? Did you hear that? I walk in and there he is sitting down right there. I just prayed. Yeah, I I know. I get it. I know. Some of you are at that place. I, I get it. You know, I I told my dad, who was not a believer at the time, and I came back and I said, Dad, I prayed, and Paul Joseph, and incidentally, I went up to Paul Joseph and I told him everything about Jesus and he just looked at me like I was a deer in headlights, kind of like, but anyway, but I, I told my dad, Dad, this is what happened. I prayed and God answered and this is what happened. And then his words to me were this, so you think because you prayed, God did that? And I said, yeah. And then he said a colorful word and, uh, <laughs> and then he walked away and it left me. That was like one of the first times I was like, wow, some people believe and some people don't. Some people recognize God moving and some people don't. Some people know what it feels like to have a prayer answered undeniably and other people don't. Some people read about it in a book, and some people live it out. There's all kinds of examples of prayers that have been answered. You know, we, we, uh, we have all kinds of prayers. Um, I think about the family that I saw at Super Target when we were just starting off, and, and we were running about 40 people or something like that, and there was this interracial family, um, <coughs> and, and it was like, husband was white, I'm assuming wife was white and the kid was black, and I was like a few feet behind them, and I, 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 I just under my breath I said, "Lord, you can bring these people to Thorn Creek Church." The very next Sunday, that family was at Thorn Creek Church. I never talked to them. God just sometimes does things. He just sometimes does things. I was talking uh, to Rick here. Uh, he's sitting down. He, actually, he's outside in the lobby. And, and I, 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 he reminded me of something that happened 15 years ago. We went to go visit. We went to go visit uh, Grace and I went to go visit Rick and Lola's house. Do you remember that, Lola? We were over there, and, um, and, and we prayed for Rick, anointed him in the name of Jesus Christ. He had cancer. Just found out he had cancer, and said, "God, would you just deliver him from this cancer in the name of Jesus Christ?" He's been cancer-free for 15 years now, over that night. Now you hear those stories, and God is God. Sometimes he decides to heal right on the spot, and other times he says, my grace is enough, and I'm going to carry you through this, and it's according to my time. But we're to to walk by faith and trust him, trust his time, that he's going to work everything out for good. And we're in his hands. It's like COVID 19. Wouldn't it be cool if anyone who had COVID 19 could come to Thorn Creek Church and get healed in the name of Jesus? Did I just lose some of you? Some of you are concerned. I know it. But think about that. That's radical, isn't it? That's radical. And that's my prayer that God just does something so incredibly special. Anybody ever pray for like your keys that have been lost and you can't find your car keys? And you're like, you know, what happened to my car keys? And you're looking all over the place. And after looking for like 30 minutes, then you say, maybe I should pray. I I always tell, tell my family, start off with prayer first and then start looking because it'll save you a lot of time. But still, what I've discovered, what I've discovered, and let's just be honest for a little bit, there's a little part, maybe a bigger part inside of you than you care to admit that you might think, yeah, I don't know know about that. Maybe it was just time for them to get well. Maybe it's, in remission, it's going to come back. Maybe you were pretty close to your car keys and you just found them. And maybe you're giving credit to God when that's just to make you feel better. To be honest, what I've discovered is we have this battle inside of us with faith and doubt and learning to walk with God and learning to cry out to him. It pleases God when we cry out to him. It pleases God when we say, God, I need you, I need you. I need you, Nehemiah chapter four, verse nine. If you were to look in my Bible, you know we're we're, we're studying um, this uh, time, this season of exile. But in Nehemiah chapter four, there's this there's this there's this line right there in verse nine. It says this, "But we pray to our God." That's what Nehemiah said. So there's a whole situation that happens before verse nine. But if you were to look in my Bible you would see that one phrase right there, but we pray to our God. It's like underlined like five times because the idea behind this verse is we were in trouble, but we prayed to our God and we were okay now. Everything was okay after that. Nehemiah is known to be a prayer warrior, this guy. But he's also known to carry a sword. He's a, guy, he's a guy's man's man because he can carry a hammer and a sword. That's who he is. And he's a guy who the Lord used in a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful way. Um, it, it's, it's these words right here but we prayed to our God is kind of like the card that, that trumps every other card and says, okay, we were in this trouble, but we prayed to our God, and now we're not in that trouble anymore. Now God has moved, and now we're trusting him. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody feeling what I'm saying? You, hear what I'm, you know what I'm talking about? And, and that's what we're looking at today. That's what we're looking at today. I want I to teach you how to pray like Nehemiah. How to pray like Nehemiah how to pray like Nehemiah. I like this quote here by Charles Spurgeon. He said this, true prayer is neither a mere mental exercise nor a vocal performance. It is far deeper than that. It is a spiritual transaction with the creator of heaven and earth. So it's not some sort of spiritual meditation. We don't pray, and and some people might believe this, we don't pray just to make ourselves feel better. And I'm going to say this prayer and it's, you know, it's equivalent to yoga or something like that or it's like some meditation. And I'm just going to pray to something, some higher power. And it's just kind of out there. And, and somehow I'm going to feel better after the situation. It's about me having peace. That's not the purpose of prayer. The purpose of prayer is, a, is, is communication. It's a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's a relationship with God. You walk with him like Enoch, you talk to him, and you get to know him, and you tell him your worries and you tell him your burdens, and you tell him, and it's not always asking. So many times we think God is just a God we go to, him and we say, God, I need you to do this, I need you to do this, I need you to do this. You know what, it's just talking to him many times. It's having conversation. It's a sign of spiritual maturity. When you have sweet fellowship, as Brother Lawrence would say, sweet fellowship and conversation with him, there is a delight in talking to God. Right now, our world is facing something bigger than ourselves. We're facing this pandemic. And, uh, you know, you watch the news and you see crazy stuff on the news and hospitals and, and counts and numbers and data and all this kind of stuff. And if anything, it's I, I believe this pandemic, it's horrible, but I, I do believe that that somehow God is using it to remind people how... How, how, how we're not invincible, and, and life is precious, and every day is a blessing, and, and if that turns people to Jesus, well, praise God for that. But uh, it's a horrible thing, and my prayer is that it all goes away. But here's what I wanna ask you, because some of you, you're, you're coming back to church, or maybe you're watching it online, whatever it is. I wanna ask you this question. Does your prayer life look different today than it did before the pandemic? Does your prayer life look anything, does it look different? Or is it about the same? Does it look different, does your spiritual life, does it look different now than before the pandemic? My prayer is, Thorn Creek Church just becomes a house of prayer. You know, Jesus talked about the church. He said, it's, my house shall be a house of prayer. It's a place where we worship and we praise, but it's also a house of prayer. That's what Jesus said. And that's my prayer, is that we become this mighty army of people who cry out to God. I I know I've lost some of you because, did you know the prayer ministry is sometimes the smallest ministry in churches? The last church I was at was about 1,700 in attendance. We had a prayer group that met every week. 1,700 in attendance. You know how many people would show up to that meeting? About seven, nine people. Seventeen hundred. I believe the power of a church is seen in that prayer meeting. And the strength of that prayer meeting is the strength of the church. And it's only as healthy as that as that prayer meeting. I really believe that. Let's look at this a little bit closer now, guys. Um, le- the out of exile. I want to show you the timeline again, so we're just kind of all on the same page. We're going to be in here a couple more weeks, and then we're done. Um, but um, but he- here's where we're at. The exile's a little suitcase there, and you can see when when uh, when um, when Judah was exiled at, out of Jerusalem and and or the promised land there in Israel, and and they went to this place called Babylon, and eventually eventually they came back home after seventy. 70 years. Um, There's a couple of names here, Ezra and Nehemiah. Ezra and Nehemiah they were colleagues, you can say, and God used both of them for different purposes. You know, God used Ezra to, to, for spiritual reform, and then, and then God used Nehemiah as well uh, to build up a city wall around. So Ezra was involved with the temple building back up, but Nehemiah was involved with building the city walls. And the reason why the city walls was important was because that's, that, that, that helped create a community, but it also protected them from, from any attacks. So they built the temple, but Nehemiah was in charge of the construction of the wall around Jerusalem, around the temple, and, and that was a very, very significant thing. So when they came and when Nehemiah showed up, there's some characters that weren't happy about Nehemiah building the temple, or Nehemiah building the wall, rather, and says this in Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 10, but when uh, Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite official, official heard of my arrival, they were very displeased that someone had come to help the people of Israel. That's something, sometimes you do things that you know God is calling you to do, and you've got haters. You know, you're, you're trying to do a better thing. You're trying to live a better way. You're trying to make the better decisions, and you've got someone or some people that are just, you know, giving you problems. And, and you're thinking, come on now, <laughs> I'm trying, I'm trying, why are you like that? And, and Nehemiah had that, it's Sanballat and his friends. So you read about them in chapter 2, and then you read again about them in chapter 4. Check it out. Sanballat was very angry when he learned that we were rebuilding the wall. He flew into a rage and mocked the Jews saying in front of his friends and, and the Sumerian arm, army officers, what does this bunch of poor, feeble Jews think they are doing? Do they, think, do they think they can build a wall in a single day by just offering a few sacrifices? Do they actually think they can make something of stones from a rubbish heap and charred ones at that? Tobiah, the Ammonite, who was standing beside him, remarked, that stone wall would collapse if even a fox walked along the top of it. So you've got Nehemiah. And, you know, according to this, you know, the best lies are mostly true. Those are the best lies. They're mostly true. And the truth is, these guys are not a strong bunch of guys. Nehemiah and these guys who are rebuilding. They're not experts in building. You don't get that impression at all. In fact, you get the impression that they're viewed as feeble people. And Sanballat and his friends, they are just hurling these things to discourage them, talking about who they are, talking about their inability to build anything of quality. Like, you know, what are you, you're just a preacher. You don't know how to build anything. (laughs) You know, it's that kind of thing. What are you doing? You guys are trying to build this thing. And, And you hear this, these accusations and this slander. And the whole message behind Sanballat and his friends is this. Who do you think you are? And when I hear that, I think that's exactly how the devil works in our life. And you see the way the enemy is. Who's pulling the strings? It's the devil. He's using the sand ballad and his friends. And the enemy many times hurls this out to us and says, who do you think you are? You're going to church. You're worshiping. I know what you did last night. Who do you think you are? You're acting like you're this and that. Who do you think you are? And he's feeding you these lies and he's, he's trying to discourage you and demoralize you and this kind of thing. And I, I see this and it happens all the time when someone wants to make better decisions in life or they're starting to come to church or they're going to, you know, try, whatever it is. And there's this message that the enemy just throws at them and says, who do you think you are? Just give up. Just quit. Just walk away. You'll never be. You'll never be. I want you to hear this. Never determine your worth and value based on what other people say about you. Determine your worth and value based on what God's word says about you. Get a hold of that and swallow that one. <clears throat> Get a hold of that. Look how Nehemiah responds. Then I prayed. Then I prayed. Now I want you to see something here. The first thing Nehemiah does, did you know he doesn't exchange Insult for insult with Ballard and his friends. He doesn't get into that game. You know that? He doesn't even call his bunch of friends and, and say, hey, friends, what do you think I should do about this? And can you believe they're saying this about us? He doesn't go to social media and type in stuff. He doesn't do any of that stuff. You know what he does? He prays. First thing. You don't even see him going. You know, like a lot of us, you know, we we say, I'm going to go to my wife and vent with her. I'm going to go to my husband and vent with him. And then after I vent with all my friends and I tell all my whatever, then I might pray. First thing he does, he prays. Incredible lesson for us. And here's his prayer. Hear us, our God, for we are being mocked. May their scoffing fall back on their own heads. And may they themselves become captives in a foreign land. Wow. Do not ignore their guilt. Do not blot out their sins, for they have provoked you to anger here in front of the builders. See, all this, these insults were said in front of the whole army. It could have been demoralizing for everyone in front of everyone. But I want, you to, I want you to recognize something. Nehemiah is putting it on God. And he's saying, God, I, did you hear what they just said? Did you hear what Sanballat just said, God? <laughs> now, were you listening to that? Were you listening to that, God? How'd that make you feel, God? You take care of him, God. You take care of him. Did you hear his buddy over there? Did you hear him talking as well? You take care of that, God. Jim Cimbala. Um, pastors of Brooklyn Tabernacle in Brooklyn, New York, said this. Prayer cannot truly be taught by principles and seminars and symposiums. It has to be born out of a whole environment of felt need. If I say I ought to, to pray, I will soon run out of motivation and quit. The flesh is too strong. I have to be driven to pray. Isn't that good? It's depending on how you look at it. There's a difference between I ought to and I need to. There's a huge difference between I, I need to spend time with Jesus. I need to spend time with God. I need to pray. It's a huge difference versus I ought to. I ought to just feels like homework or something like that. I ought to feels like it's a box that I have to check off. It's not a box you check off, it's a relationship with the living God through Jesus Christ. It's something you do naturally. Think about it this way, think about those that you love being with, does it ever work to be with them? You just want to be with them. Time is is not a factor at all. It's a huge difference with I ought to versus I need to, whether it's reading the Bible or being obedient or attending church or, or reading or praying. And I want you to see this also. Nehemiah is using his spiritual eyes. It's a sign of spiritual maturity. And you know what he's telling God? God, they're offending you. They're not offending me. Do you hear what they're saying about you, God? They're offending you, God, not me. It's a reminder here. Ephesians chapter 6 reminds us, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And then verse 18 says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. It's a spiritual battle. Some of you need to stop wasting your time arguing and you need to spend time praying. You need to stop wasting energy. And you need to just fall on your knees and say, God, I need you to move because I I, I see who's pulling these strings. And God, I need you to move. I need you to do a miracle, God, because I recognize I'm, I'm being under attack here spiritually where that person is being pulled and swayed and influenced by the evil one and they don't even know it. And God, I pray that you deliver them in the name of Jesus Christ and I bind Satan in the name of Jesus and I command him to get out of my home in the name of Jesus. Some of you need to pray like that. You need to pray like that. Some of you need to pray like that. How, how easily do you get discouraged? How easily do you walk? For some of you, it's just a matter of your feelings. After your feelings are hurt, you you walk, or you're a little discouraged. Things aren't progressing as quickly as they should, so I I feel like God's releasing me, or whatever it is. How quickly? There's other people that the enemy knows that all you do is double down on your faith. All you do is double down on your commitment to God. And when it gets really hard, you spend more time on your knees. When it gets really hard, you spend more time crying out to God. When it gets really hard, you turn to God with all of your heart and it's a battle, it's game on. That's a spiritually mature person. Paul said it like this, never stop praying. Said it like this, never stop praying in 1 Thessalonians. Don't ever stop praying. Don't do it. I'm reminded of Bryce. Bryce is is helping out in guest ref, ref, and, and refreshments over there, and um, and he gave me permission to share this as well, um, as well as Rick. But but Bryce, uh, he has a son, and his son was was hooked on drugs. It was heroin and meth for a number of years. He told me he got down to like 90 pounds, and he prayed for him, prayed for him, and prayed for him, prayed for him for ten years. 10 years praying for him. It's really hard when you see someone you love make a mess out of their life, isn't it? It's really hard when you see someone you love just self-destruct. Pray for him for 10 years years and eventually he was set free from that and he's been clean now for close to five years glory to god and it's been prayer and prayer and prayer it's someone who says i'm not going to give up behind every miracle there was a soul there was a man there was a woman there was someone that said i'm not going to stop praying if you don't pray who will Who else cares about him or her like you? Some of us just need someone to give a rip about our lives. And we need someone to say, you know what? I care about you more than myself. And I'm going to put down a prayer request in my bedroom on a piece of paper on the wall or whatever it is. And every time I go to bed, I'm going to lift up your name to the throne. And I'm going to pray that God saves you. I'm going to pray that you're miserable until you turn to the Lord. I'm going to pray that you get set free. Somebody just needs somebody to care about them, to live outside of yourself and not be self-centered, but to think about that neighbor or that friend or whatever it is, to think about them. Never stop praying. I like what Priscilla Shire said. Prayer is the portal that brings the power of heaven down to earth. It is kryptonite to the enemy and to all his ploys against you. Isn't that good? Let me flip it now just for a second here. You need to be careful not to be a sand ballot. You need to be careful about criticizing someone who's doing something for God. You need to be careful about criticizing someone who's attempting to be obedient to God, someone who's trying to do the right thing. Be very, very careful because you don't know. If God's behind it, you don't know the battle they're in. And last thing you want to be is a sandballot, friend. You hear me? Be encouraging instead. Be encouraging. Verse 6 says at last the wall was completed to half its height around the entire city for the people had worked with enthusiasm so they're rocking along it's halfway built and the people have been really enthusiastic about this they're feeling really good and look what happens but when sanballat and tobiah and the arabs ammonites and astrodites you got to be careful guys Because when you walk with God, you could have like termites in your spiritual life. So you got to be careful about that. Uh, You got to be careful. When all these guys heard that the work was going ahead and that the gaps in the wall of Jerusalem were being repaired, they were furious. Their ploy didn't work. Their attempt didn't work. And verse eight says, they all made up plans to come and fight against Jerusalem and throw us into confusion. So the first time... It was about insults. Who do you think you are? You can't even build a wall right. A fox can jump on that wall and destroy. You don't even know how to build. And who do you think you are? But it's gone from insults to we're going to physically attack you and kill you. It's it's taken it's gone to another level, and you see this, and now they're now it's like okay, it might go mono a ah, mono here. It's gonna go down blow over blow. But look what Nehemiah does. But we prayed to our God and guarded the city day and night to protect ourselves. But we prayed to our God, but they also worked. They also protected themselves. But the first thing they did is, but we pray to our God. But we pray to our God. How do you pray like Nehemiah? Let me share some things with you. First thing is this, is you need to cry out to God. You need to cry out to God like you've never cried out to God before. Jeremiah 33, 3, such a popular verse. God says, call to me and I will answer you. And I will tell you great and mighty things which you do not know. It's an invitation. God wants you to call out to him. It's not about how articulate you are. it's, it's It's not about that. It's about you just crying out to God. Just crying out to God. God sees your heart. He just wants you to cry out to him like you do with a friend and just let him know what's going on in your life. He knows it. When you need to hear this, sometimes God will remove every crutch in your life so that you will lean on him. Sometimes God will remove that woman, that man that you're depending on, maybe whatever it is, that boss, whatever, maybe it's money, whatever it is. Sometimes God will remove that, him, her, out of your life so you could turn to God instead of turning to them. Sometimes God will do that. God wants you to cry out to him. And incidentally, is God obligated to explain to you why he doesn't answer prayers on your time? is God obligated to explain to you? Are you okay just trusting God, even when it doesn't make sense? The second thing is this, go deeper with Jesus. In John chapter 15, beautiful, beautiful passage. Jesus says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. Now, you might think, well, that's just a Blank check, and I've always wanted a Range Rover, so I want to go ahead and go after that. But if you look at that verse, that verse says, and my words remain in you. This is about abiding in Christ Jesus. This is about His will becoming your will. This is about dying to yourself. This is about surrendering to Him. This is about communion with Christ. It's about being one with Christ. He is living within you and He has full reign of your life and He is Lord and King of your life. And when you're living at that place where you die to yourself and you live for Him, then you're Prayers are going to match up to the will of God. Sometimes we say prayers that don't match up to the will of God. Sometimes we say self-centered prayers. But God wants you to know Jesus. Jesus living inside of you. He's abiding in you. And now it changes your prayers. All of a sudden you have new desires that you hadn't had before then don't give up on God. Don't give up on God. I have, uh, when I was um, in Alaska um, speaking, I, uh, one of my, my friends is Marshall Mayfield. Here's a picture of me and Marshall. Um, he's the guy I'm hugging right there with my left arm. Marshall, uh, he's, uh, he's way up north in Alaska. In fact, they're, they're at the North Pole Way up there, and, and he's in. A, I wish I could remember the name of the place, but um, it's really, 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 really high up there. And literally, yeah, where he's at, up at the, uh, up, up in the north of Alaska, people go there just to watch the sun in the, in the summer not set literally goes down and it looks like it's going to set and then it just goes right back up. It doesn't actually set. And, and, and Fairbanks, that's where he's at, Fairbanks. So, so that's, that's, uh, that's where he's at. But he was telling me a story and, and he's a pastor. Both of them are, are pastors, a sweet couple of there, Bob and Renee also. But, uh, but Marcia was telling me uh, his story and he, and he was, uh, this was a guy who was a really addicted to alcohol in a huge way. He would go on major binges. He would go to the bar on weekends and he would drink like crazy. And he was a pretty good athlete in his day. And, and, and uh, he eventually met this Christian woman and she was strongly encouraged not to marry this guy named Marshall and uh, very, very much strongly encouraged. In fact, on the day of their wedding rehearsal, He showed up to the wedding rehearsal completely, completely lit up, drunk. Friends on the right arm, friends on the left arm helping him to get, I mean, literally, to to go through the wedding rehearsal. The pastor there was just livid, you could imagine. And he was saying, I don't want to marry this guy. And the friends guaranteed them, no, we'll make sure he's sober for his wedding day. That was Marshall spent a lot of time at the bar, and that's where he was at, and, and, and his wife started praying for 10 years, praying and praying and praying, and he'd go out drinking with his buddies at the bar, and he'd come back, you know, at whatever time, three, four, five in the morning, and his wife was sitting on the chair with her, with her Bible, sitting on the sofa when he came in. Can you imagine how he felt? <laughs> and he said he'd go in, and as soon as he see her with a Bible like that, he'd feel guilty, and he would go to the shower to wash off the smell of all the alcohol and all the everything involved there. And he also felt so much guilt, he wanted to wash off the guilt as well. And he was living like that. Ten years, ten years, ten years, ten years. She kept praying. Guess what happened? The guy joined this Christian softball team through the boss that the, at, at the restaurant that he worked at. Next thing you know, he starts developing these relationships with these guys, and he learns to play the game, so he manipulates a lot, and, and he's like, oh, well, I'll, I'll pretend like I'm a Christian and this kind of thing, but people started talking to him, and one day someone says, hey, if you were to die tonight, do you know whether you'd go to heaven or hell? And they, he made fun of him, but that question stuck in his head. And he walked away from that, and one day he was driving home, and, and the Spirit of God took a hold of him in the car, and he pulled off onto the side of the road, and right there on the ground in the street, he falls to his knees, and he says, God, I give you my life. Jesus, I give you my life. Gave his life on the side of the street. See, he was playing with people, but he couldn't play with God. God got a hold of him, and he told me when he went in to his house, there was his wife sitting there like always, but she saw his face, and immediately she said, you accepted Jesus. She saw his face and saw the difference. And she said, you accepted Jesus just like that. Within a matter of time, God called him to ministry. And his very first message that he preached was in the church of that pastor that was saying, you should not marry this woman. Woman, you should not marry this man. That was the very, very first service he preached. He said while he preached that message, that old Baptist preacher was just crying in the front row the entire time. Sometimes we give up. And we say, there's no way God can do anything. He's a loser. She's a loser. But under God's eyes, everybody's redeemable. God can rescue anyone. God's God. He can do it. He can change any heart. No heart is too hard for God. No circumstance is too difficult for him. No virus is too great for him. He can do whatever he wants. He's God. He's Lord. He's great. You can turn to him and he will rescue you. He will work. No situation is too complicated. There's no such thing as too much confusion for God. God sees everything He'll work everything out. No heart is too far for God. Can I get an amen here or something, a shout out or something? Put your hands together if you believe that. This is is truth, guys. There's nothing that's impossible for God. Do you really believe that? Nothing is impossible for God. Do you really believe that in your heart of hearts? Amen. I like what Beth Moore said. There are parts of our calling, works of the Holy Spirit, and defeats of the darkness that will come no other way than through furious, furious, fervent, faith filled, unceasing prayer. There are certain things in your life. There are certain things in your life that you will not see a victory unless you just buckle down on your faith, spend time on your knees, and you don't give up. And then feed your faith. Feed your faith. I like the story in Matthew 8 and Jesus went to the Roman officer. And he told the Roman officer, "Go back home because you believed it has happened and the young servant was healed at that same hour." Beautiful. There's one thing that always stirs the heart of Jesus. It's faith. Over and over. And then you got to humble yourself Jesus shares a story in Luke chapter 18 about a Pharisee and a tax collector. And the Pharisee just was like, look at me, look at me, look at me. But the tax collector, verse 13 says this, but the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow saying, oh God, be merciful to me for I am a sinner. And scripture says, Jesus says, I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, returned home justified before God. For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. (sighs) Don't give God lip service. Don't be afraid to ask big. Joshua said, son, stand still. And don't be afraid to ask small. And always pray in the name of Jesus. That's what he tells us in John chapter 14. And all your prayers and say this I pray in the name of Jesus. Let's say it together. In the name of Jesus. There's nothing more powerful than the name of Jesus. So when you pray in the name of Jesus, you pray with power. You pray with authority. And include church in your life. In Acts chapter 12, we read this. So Peter was kept in prison, but the church was earnestly praying to God for him. There is power when the church comes together. Now we're living, we have another spiritual epidemic that we're living in right now. And here's the spiritual epidemic. We live in a place right now, in a stage where there's, there's this spirit of self-sufficiency I don't need anyone else. I can depend on me. I don't need other people. I'm not going to tell other people what's going on. I don't even need to go to church to be a Christian. I don't even need to belong to a church to to be a Christian. I don't need to commit myself to to a church to become a Christian. I could podcast whatever I want. I don't need a church. It's a real problem because it's not the early church. But scripture teaches us when the church comes together and prays, there's things that happen. There's things that are unexplainable that happens, like an angel visiting, you know, Peter in the jail, and jail cells opening up, and Peter goes. There's things that happen when the church comes together. Don't you want to see God move in miraculous ways? Don't you want to be part of a revival? Let's be that church that comes together, a church that comes together. Do you really believe that? Do you really believe that the church when it comes together in praise is stronger do you really believe that you got to help me because when we when we when we have these prayer times here at thorn creek church we got three people showing up so you got to help me You, you hear what i'm saying do you think it's important to make time to pray Do you think this is a time for us to come together as a church and pray? What if God did a revival and it started in Thornton, Colorado and it just spread across our state and our nation? Think bigger than yourself and your home and cleaning your groceries. Think bigger than wiping the bottom of your shoes. Think bigger than all that and wearing a mask. Think what could God do in all of this? Do you really believe it? Do you really, really, really believe it? See, you gotta hear this, if you wanna see a miracle, it's not gonna be because you heard 100 sermons, it's gonna be because you desperately cried out to God. You desperately cried out to God, and you said, I'm not gonna give up on my wife, I'm not gonna give up on my husband, I'm not gonna give up on praying for our land, I'm not gonna do that. Thorn Creek Church, we have an hour that we pray every single every single, time that we pray every every single day. There it is, it's 3.20 p.m. How many of you have that set on your phone as an alarm? I have it online and it beeps every time I hear it. You know what I do? I pray for Thorn Creek Church, I pray for those who attend, and I pray for our nation, pray for whatever else God puts on my heart. But at 3.20 p.m., you should put it on your phone. Make that be a regular time of prayer. If you download our app, Download it. You can, there's a big old prayer button you can hit. And you, if, you, if you click on that prayer button, we'll, hear, we'll get your prayer request and you can tell us what's going on and we'll pray for you. And you got to hear this. <clears throat> we have this now this prayer time that happens. Heal our land every Tuesday, 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. And you can come in at any point in those two hours. If you're watching us online and you're not coming to church for whatever reason, this is a time where you can come. Don't stay away from the church. Come to church and pray. You can come anytime between 3 p.m. and 5 p.m. every Tuesday. There's a devotional that's given. And then we just leave it open and you can spend five minutes here or you can spend two hours here. Whatever you want, it's up to you. But show up. It happens every... Every, every Tuesday <clears throat> I just I feel in my heart I sense the spirit here and I just feel in my heart let me, let me ask you this what is it that's weighing on your heart how do you want God to move in your life what is it what is that prayer that you stop praying about maybe that's what the question is what is it that, or maybe, it's a, maybe you don't have much of a relationship with Jesus maybe you don't have much of a relationship with God and you're wondering why he's not answering your prayers what is it I want to invite you to just turn to God. Can we just have a time where we cry out to God? Let's do something here. This is what we're going to do. We're going to pray out loud in this room right here, right now. We're going to pray for our church, our family, our our, our friends. We're going to pray for our nation. But I want to encourage you. This might feel a little bit awkward, but I want to encourage you to pray out loud. And I'm not talking about, Lord Jesus, I pray. I'm talking about, Lord God, we need you to move. Are you guys ready to do this? Let's pray out loud, all right? And after we pray out loud for a little bit, all right? is up but i want to let's just pray out loud let's stand up and 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 cry out to god if you want to kneel that's totally fine if you want to kneel down whatever you want but let's have a time this is so important this is perhaps the most important thing you're going to do cry out to god i want to hear your voices let's pray right now let's go god we cry out to you lord oh cry out to him let us hear us Let, let us encourage us move here god Holy are you, almighty God. Holy holy are you, almighty God. Oh, God. Hear the prayers from this place. Hear the prayers from this place. Oh, God, move here. Oh, God. God, we lift up our voices to you, God. We lift up our voices to you, God. We lift up our voices to you, God. We cry out to you, God. Holy are you, almighty God. Holy are you, almighty God. Let him know what's on your heart. Shout it out to him. Shout it out to him. Shout it out to him. Shout it out to him, out to him God. Holy Thank you, Almighty God. Oh God, move your Lord. Shout it out to Him. Holy are you, Almighty God. Holy are you, Almighty God. Holy are you, Almighty God. Oh God, we worship you. We give you thanks. Heal our land, Lord. Move in our families. Save our loved ones. Bring health and healing, Lord. Transform hearts, God. Redeem and save and protect and provide, God. Do your thing, God. Start a revival here in this church, God, in the name of Jesus Christ. Start a revival across churches across the nation, God. Move powerfully, God, in other churches all over the area and all over the country. Holy Spirit, do your thing. May you, Jesus, be glorified, and we just command this coronavirus in the name of Jesus to leave this place. We rebuke it in the name of Jesus. There's no business here. Heal us, God, in Jesus' name and the church said. Each year, thousands of Thorn Creek Church messages are downloaded for free. This ministry is generously supported by Thorn Creek Church members and listeners like you. If you'd like to support this ministry, please consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting thorncreek.church give